This podcast was made with Anchor. Hello, and welcome to the Solo Storyteller. This podcast will feature the real-life gameplay of the various solo RPG adventures that I record in my journal. Each episode will start with a brief overview of the particular game that I am playing, followed by the results of the dice rolls and card draws. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the adventure. Alright, so welcome to episode two. Um, first, uh, let me apologize for um, not introducing myself last week. Um, I will do that now. Uh, my name is Angelica. I have always been a writer at heart. And in the last year, I have discovered uh, the joys of solo RPG games. And my creative uh, writer energy um, really, really enjoys the randomness of the games and the draw of the cards and the roll of the dice. And that is why I have created this podcast. Um, also, second, I re-recorded the intro um, uh, when I was listening it back, listening to the podcast back, sorry. Um, I realized that the sound quality between the opening and the rest of it was very different. So hopefully this re-recording will uh, get rid of that problem. Uh, but aside from those two things, uh, let's go on to today's episode. Uh, today's episode is entitled Princess with a Cursed Sword. It's by Anna Anthropy. It's from itch.io and I will link it in the episode description. And instead of being a game that's played with playing cards or dice, it is actually played with tarot cards. Uh, so let me go through and read um, the gameplay. So a figure stands in ancient ruins bare feet on crumbling stone her gown too far her her gown too fine her sword much too dark at the princess's coming of age ceremony an uninvited guest gifted her a sword then vanished laughing into smoke she cannot put it down until she finds the place it came from so she has come before playing make sure you have a tarot deck freshly shuffled two coins from any land and somewhere to record the story uh Disclaimer, uh, I did not have any coins when I played this game, so I used, um, I used the game more as a creative storytelling tool. Um, my princess also puts down the sword. I forgot that small detail, um, and I'm not going to go back and change it because it would, you know, ruin the authenticity of, of the game. Um, but those are two things that I, I disregarded. So the intro gameplay information goes on with who is the princess what does her gown sig signify her dual heritage her humble beginnings her house's unchecked extravagance her religious studies or something else why are her feet bare is it because it's penance it's easier to leap and climb um was she raised where there was no need of shoes um high women do they steal it or something else 
What does her sword want? Blood, secrets, to see beauty twisted, to call forth the dead, or something else. And then what are her pronouns? She, her, he, him, they, them, or something else. Um, while this text uses she, her, a princess may have any pronouns desired. So to chronicle the journey. As the princess explores the ruins, record her explorations, write in third person as though writing a fairy tale. In some parts of the ruins, you may decide a princess faces an obstacle, threat, or foe. In those cases, finish the passage after facing a challenge. Uh, keep the descriptions brief. What does the princess notice? Feel remember. Uh, and here's an example, which I, I folded into my narrative. Uh, the princess's own shadow mocked her, character, charactering her worst aspects, but she had faced far worse ridicule as a poor tailor. She extinguished her torch and her shadow and crept forward into the dark. Uh, to explore the ruins, turn over the next card in the deck, use the suit and card image to decide what the princess finds. Uh, so swords are white stone quartz, sudden noise, shadows and ghosts, precarious heights, menacing statues, blades, wands are dark halls, groaning wood, torchlight, yawning pits, glowing sigils, eyes in the dark, a locked door, teeth fire, cups of grown gardens, deep water, creeping vines, a supernatural animal, strange dreams, lost souls, your shadow, coins or pentacles, tattered banners, an old library, grinding gears, a strange artifact, cloaked thieves, a caged bird, a guarded treasure, the major arcana, shrine in despair, ancient rites, an altar, a sacrifice, a tomb, hollow voices, the attention of the gods. Also disclaimer, uh, the tarot deck that I used uh, was the cat tarot, um, so the imagery on the cards wasn't the most helpful when it came to like imagining things, so instead I just went to the card's basic meaning um, and again made it more of a creative writing exercise with them being prompts versus actually drawing inspiration from them. If your princess faces a challenge, um, throw the coins. One coin if she's completely out of the, her depth. Two if her past has prepared her. Or three or two um, if she gives the sword what it wants. Um, if you throw no heads, the princess falters and barely escapes with her life. With just one head, she achieves her goal, but it is tenuous or costly. With two heads, she achieves her goal with frightening prowess. Uh, returning the sword. Whenever you reveal a card, ask, is this where the sword belongs? If so, decide if the princess makes a sacrifice um, to break the curse, or if the sword promises her something and she keeps it. Uh, compose a brief epilogue, who does the princess become after her journey? Another disclaimer, didn't really do that um, with the returning of the sword, but you'll see why, because the story took me in a direction and I decided to follow it. So that's an overview. I will say right now, um, my review of the game would probably be a three out of five. Um, it was fun to use tarot cards, but I found that there was too much room for interpretation. And because this was only my second attempt uh, at doing this, I really, really just wanted... Um, something a little bit more straightforward. But you'll find out um, as the story uh, unfolds.
princess with a cursed sword. A figure stands in an ancient ruin, bare feet on crumbling stone, her gown far too fine, her sword much too dark. She wears a simple gown to signify her humble beginnings. Her feet are bare because where she was raised, there was no need for shoes, and without them her steps are more assured than they would have been otherwise. She has learned that the sword wants to call forth the ghosts of the ancient past, and it will not let her rest until she has completed this quest. The ruins are dark, but the twinkling stars and the crescent moon allow the princess to see a pool of water in front of her. It is some sort of fountain, with a clatter of cats dancing around the edge. She circles it, looking for a spot to return the sword, but there is nothing that looks like a stone sheath, so she moves on. The princess walks a bit further, and her bare feet feel the change from cobblestone to mosaic. She looks down, and by the light of the moon, she can see an image of an eight-pointed star shining up at her. It is set upon a dark blue background, with eight smaller six-pointed stars around it. Is this the symbol of the people who built this place? She has no idea. Past the mosaic, she sees a figure swinging in the breeze. A sense of foreboding comes over her, and the princess wants to look away, but she can't. Her eyes are focused upon the skeleton which is hanging from the lintel of a doorway that is still standing. She says a prayer to whatever gods may be listening that the spirit of the skeleton is at rest, and she continues on her way. She walks deeper into the ruins and wonders if it is her isolation from all that she knew that brought her to this desolate place. She never did adjust to palace life after the king and queen claimed her as their own, and they never showed her affection like the woodcutter and the wife had. These thoughts flutter across her brain, and when the princess looks up she finds that an ancient and tattered banner is blowing in the midnight breeze. It's hung from a ruined wall. The princess can see that they too have a symbol embroidered upon them, but the thread has faded and come loose, making it impossible to learn anything more about the ruins or who might have built them. The people who built these ruins revered the sword that you are now carrying. The princess turns around to see her knight in shining armor standing there, though he is not wearing his armor now. Those carefully crafted pieces of metal, along with his sword and shield, were stripped from him not long after she was cursed. He was meant to protect her from harm, and yet harm had come to her anyway. I told you not to follow me, she tells the knight in a low voice. I told you to stay away. I am no longer in service to the crown, he reminds her with a wry smile. Therefore, I can do as I please. Is that another attempt to blame me for what has happened? The princess is angry now. The wounds of her birthday are still fresh and raw on her heart. What do you expect me to say? I expect nothing from you, milady. He bows his head as he speaks. I only wish to finish what I started. The princess looks at him, unsure as to whether this is a trick of the ruins. You cannot mean what you say, she says at last. I have cost you everything. Your sword. Your shield. Your place at court. Even... Her voice catches on the words that she is loath to speak. Even the affections of the lady I courted, he finished for her. There was no need for the princess to correct him. He had understood the thoughts in her mind once again. 
It had happened over and over again before she was cursed. It was a connection that had brought the two of them closer, and one that had torn the court apart from within. Yes, he continues, the lady spurns me now, but that is only because I broke off the courtship first. This is news to the princess. Despite being seeped in gossip and rumor, she had not heard that her knight hadn't proposed marriage to the lady he had been courting. And why? The princess pauses, her voice trembling. Why do you tell me this now? I tell you this because it is clear that you cannot see into my heart as I can see into yours. He takes a few steps and crosses the small distance between them. I once promised you my sword and shield and life, my lady. And while two of the three have been taken from me unjustly, my life is still yours, should you want it. She wanted it. She wanted him. The princess dropped the sword to the ground and kissed the man that she loved. Light. The princess and the knight were surrounded by light. They ended the kiss but clung to one another as the darkness faded into bright illuminance. The cold air warmed, and though they had to shield their eyes from the illumination, they saw a figure walking towards them. Well, said a melodious voice. I wondered whether or not you two would ever understand the connection that has been forged between you. The light dimmed slightly, so the princess and her knight lowered their hands. Standing before them was the goddess of love, and she seemed to be made of the light itself. Lady of love, the princess bowed her head in reverence. Forgive us for ignoring your summons for so long. The goddess laughed. Such is the way of mortals. We gods need to whack you over the head with signs and portents for you to realize the path that is beneath your feet or the connection that is already in your hearts. Did you? The knight began. Does this mean the curse is lifted? The goddess sighed. Unfortunately not. The curse upon the sword was not placed by me. I just used it to bring the two of you together. And together you shall find the resting place for that sword. Could you tell me where that accursed thing goes? The princess kicked the sword with her foot. I want this curse to be ended. I cannot, said the goddess. But rest assured, you are close now. The light faded. They were submerged into the cold and dark once more. The princess picked up the sword, and together she and the knight walked further into the ruins. They came to a building that was still standing, and the sword seemed to pull her forward. Once inside, they found that they were in an old library. Shelves lined the walls, and the remnants of freestanding ones littered the floor, as did pieces of parchment and paper. The princess walked forward, her feet turning the ancient pieces to dust and the night followed. In the center of the library, an eerie light was glowing. Together, the princess and knight cleared the floor and discovered that a sigil was burning as brightly as the noonday sun on the wood floor. Then, 
matching sigils burned upon the sword, and the hilt grew hot in her hand. I think we are here, the princess murmured. This is where the sword has wanted to go. But what do we do now? asked the knight. As if in answer to their question, the shadows which had been cast by the sigil sprang to life, peeling up from the floor and becoming fully embodied figures of shade. They reached to the shadows that clung to the corners of the room, and soon the princess and her knight were surrounded in a dome made of opaque darkness. They held each other close and prepared for the end to come. And yet, it didn't. When the shadows dissipated, the princess and her knight found that they were no longer within the ruins. They weren't even in the kingdom at all. Their home had been situated in a forest, with a great meandering river flowing through it. They were now at the edge of a valley, with towering mountains on all sides. Well, the knight said slowly as he looked around, this is a surprise. A welcome one, the princess admits. Perhaps in this new place, I can be rid of this curse and start my life anew. As if in answer, the sword moved of its own accord, and the princess had to grip the hilt with two hands to ensure that it did not fly from her grasp. It led her to a mountain path, and with her knight behind her, the princess began her journey to the summit. The darkness of night faded to gray twilight as they approached the top. It had been a long journey, a hard journey, and at the summit they were rewarded with two things. First, the view. This particular mountain soars above everything, and for the first time in a long time, the princess feels absolutely free of the burdens that had been placed upon her in the palace. Second, she realized that they were in a set of ruins, smaller than the first, but similar in form. Broken columns surround a raised platform, and a glittering opal rock sits upon the center. The princess walks to the stone and realizes that this, there is an opening that will fit the blade. Without hesitation, she puts the sword into the stone. Thunder rumbles from within the mountain, and the opal blazes with the kaleidoscope of light. As the sun inches over the horizon, the entire mountainside is bathed in a soft orange glow. The weight of the sword's dark magic is gone from the princess's heart, and for the first time since her coming over age ceremony, she feels free. Epilogue The woodcutter and his wife sit on the porch of their cottage with heavy hearts. They had known that the baby that they had found and raised would be destined for greatness, but they could not have imagined that they would grow to love and cherish the lost princess of the realm. To them, the sunny-haired girl would always be their daughter, though they believed that they would never see her again. Dusk was falling, and soon it would be time for them to retire for the night. But then, out of the last golden rays, a figure appeared, a figure with a voice that they knew so well. Mother. Father. I'm home. Okay, so thank 
you for listening to my solo RPG journal adventure. I hope you had as much fun listening as I did playing. Come back next week to listen to a whole new story. TTFN. Ta-ta for now.